What is up, cybersecurity and cryptocurrency peeps? Hope everybody's having a great day so far. Today is March the 6th of 2020, and this is episode 104 of the Cybersecurity and Cryptocurrency Podcast. I'm your host, Eric English. All the views and opinions expressed on this podcast are solely my opinions and do not reflect that of my employer. And if you want to follow me on Twitter, I'm at CyberCryptoGuy. All right, so there's a lot of topics and not enough time to get to it. So I'm not even going to read through the list here. I'm just going to dive right in because there's so much that's happened over the last few weeks. First one that I saw that, that caught my attention was Clearview AI. They're the firm that got hacked that's doing facial recognition, basically. And we found out their whole client list. So all the folks that were using Clearview AI are now busted. <laughs> we all know who they were now. The, the most interesting one to me out of everybody that was, that was using their facial recognition technology was Coinbase. I don't know why Coinbase would need such a thing. I don't don't understand why they'd need anything facial recognition tech related. I mean, maybe to, I don't know, verify the identities of customers potentially, or is it just for tinkering around? I mean, who knows, right? So that was quite interesting to hear that they, of all people, had been using their facial recognition software by Clearview AI. Coinbase did say that they have not used Clearview AI with uh, anything related to customer data, so I guess that's good. (laughs) But it certainly seems odd that Coinbase would be using that. Anyway, if you want to see all the list of other companies that we now know are spying on us with facial recognition tech, I'll post the article in the show notes for you to check out. Another big one uh, over the last week or so was the Crook Wi-Fi vulnerability. Crook is K-R-O-O-K. Might be 00K. I can't really tell. Either way, it was a pretty big uh, Wi-Fi vulnerability. So essentially, this this attack allows a a hacker that has to be, of course, nearby and intercepting Wi-Fi traffic. It allows them to basically decrypt that traffic. So patches, of course, are being rolled out by Cisco and all the other big vendors and whatnot. But uh, this affected a ton of different vendors and hardware and devices. I mean, you name it. Anything from access points to, you know, Wi-Fi routers to phones and computers and you name it. So there were some pretty big issues with this particular vulnerability. But also, too, if any of these Wi-Fi-enabled devices are using Broadcom or Cypress Wi-Fi chipsets, those were the ones that were basically impacted uh, by this particular hack. So check your systems, and if you're using Broadcom, I know a lot of the Cisco gear uses Broadcom for their chips, so I know there's a lot of Cisco equipment that is affected by this. Uh, apparently, WPA3 is not affected by this, so if you maybe can upgrade to WPA3 as a mitigation, that's great, but that may not be doable in most cases. So The patches are slowly coming out, and Cisco has posted a bunch of them. I'll post the uh, Cisco article in the show notes as well for you to check out. All right, some other hacking-related news. I'm not surprised at this one whatsoever, but... 
Apparently now hackers can use ultrasonic waves to secretly control voice assistant devices, including laptops and phones and pretty much anything that's got a voice assistant in it. So they're dubbing this the surfing attack. And this particular attack leverages the unique properties of acoustic transmission in uh, solid materials like tables, for example, to enable multiple rounds of interaction between the voice-controlled device and the attacker over a longer distance and without the need to be in line of sight. So we saw something similar to this with uh, a line of sight kind of hack, if you want to call it that. So this one is saying it doesn't have to be line of sight anymore. So there you go. Who wants a voice assistant now? Yay! So if you have those Alexa devices, if you have the other Google products, then you know that you might want to put them on mute or disable those assistants if you can. I know a lot of people rely on it for home automation and whatnot, so I totally get that. All right, some other news here about ransomware. Guess what? Tesla and Boeing and SpaceX and Lockheed Martin are all kind of involved in this ransomware attack. The company called Visser Precision is a company that is a parts manufacturer and they work with Tesla and Boeing and Lockheed and SpaceX and all these other places. Well, they got hit with what's called Doppelpamer ransomware and the attackers basically have some sensitive documents and whatnot that they've already started to leak and they say if they don't pay the ransom, then they're going to leak all of it. So I thought that was pretty interesting. It does make me wonder how much they're asking for in ransom because Knowing that you got somebody like that on the hook, man, you can only imagine what they're trying to get out of them. Some other news here about Carnival Cruise Lines. They also got hacked. Uh, they came out and said that an unauthorized third party had gained access to a substantial amount of personal information belonging to both passengers and crew. Data accessed in the attack included email accounts, names, social security numbers, government ID numbers, passport numbers, health-related information, and credit card information of guests and employees. Woo! Man, they said that not all guests were impacted by this, but that is quite a bit of personal info out there. As of right now, they don't know how many people were affected by this, but they are going to offer free credit monitoring to anybody that was affected by this. Personally, I kind of laugh at the credit monitoring because they're really only going to alert you to after the fact. So if your identity is compromised and somebody opens an account in your name, the credit monitoring folks will say, hey, guess what? They opened an account in your name without your knowledge. Great. Well, that's awesome. What now? So now you have to go and fight it. Whereas if you freeze your credit, you don't have to worry about that at all. And a lot of these uh, credit monitoring companies like LifeLock and others they actually want you to not freeze your credit to use their services. So I would always freeze the credit and not have to worry about free credit monitoring personally. T-Mobile is also on the list of people that got hacked recently. They're saying this uh, security breach impacted both employees and customers. So it looks like this attack, the hackers gained access to uh, certain T-Mobile's employee email accounts some of which contained account information for T-Mobile customers and employees. And T-Mobile is saying that this, the hacker or hacker group might have used this kind of data 
excuse me, use this access to steal the data of the T-Mobile employees and its customers. They're saying the information accessed was names, addresses, phone numbers, account numbers, rate plans, features, and billing information. Not too bad, but then later down in the article they say, for some users, social security numbers, financial account information, and government identification numbers were exposed. Yikes. So T-Mobile is notifying customers that were affected by this breach. All right, some other news here. If you haven't seen this yet, it's hilarious, but the guy that hacked the Indian tech support (laughs) scam call center, oh my gosh, you got to read this article. This guy is awesome. I'm glad that somebody did this to these guys and they were able to shut this one down. But unfortunately, hacking back is typically illegal. So that's why the attacker still remains anonymous. But I thought that was great. I'll post this in the show notes as well. All right, some other news here about... The Trident Crypto Fund, well, guess what? They got hacked as well, and the stolen data in this attack is said to have included email addresses, cell phone numbers, encrypted passwords, and IP addresses, and they later on say that hackers were able to decrypt about 120,000 of the 266,000 passwords, and they posted those decrypted passwords on the web. I'd never even heard of this Trident Crypto Fund personally, but uh, apparently there's a lot of Russian users that were using this. There's about 10,000 Russian users, they were saying, that were affected by this. But so far on the Trident Crypto Fund website, they have no announcements of this. What's what's really funny, if you go to their website, the very top image has a, uh, in the bottom right, it says activate Windows, go to PC settings to activate. So... (laughs) Not sure how the heck they got that on their uh, main homepage, but I uh, thought that was quite amusing as well. Makes you have a lot of faith in somebody like that when you see activate Windows on your web page. All right, let's jump over to well, that's kind of some crossover stories here, but we'll migrate our way over to cryptocurrency stuff. Uh, recently, the Brave browser went through some rounds of privacy testing by a few groups. There was a 15-page paper written by some folks that uh, tested a few things with the Brave browser and Edge and Chrome and all the others, and Brave came out on top as far as privacy goes, Uh, but they really only tested dialing home, if you want to call it that, so they didn't test things like, you know, how effective it was at blocking cookies and things like that, Um, although we, we all know it does block those kinds of things. Uh, that was not what was tested. It was primarily about which one of these phones home uh, when you're using the browser. So that was pretty cool. And then uh, Brave also integrated recently the what's called the Wayback Machine, archive.org. If you're not familiar with that, uh, you can go to archive.org and you can look at websites from a long time ago. They usually take snapshots of them and you can go back and see what those sites looked like way back in the day. So it's kind of fun. But Brave basically has integrated this into the browser now, so that's kind of interesting. If you go to a site that is potentially down for whatever reason, you can tell Brave to go look at archive.org and try to pull this site. So that's pretty cool. Uh, Brave also announced that their syncing feature is now re-enabled, or that you can re-enable that feature. They turned it off uh, because it needed some maintenance, and it was I, I will admit it was... You know, syncing all your favorites and stuff was pretty bad. 
So they've recently fixed a lot of that. So kudos to them for that. And if you want to re-enable the sync feature, you can sync all that stuff across your various Brave browser installations. All right, so there's some other news here in the crypto space about Bitcoin Cash. I thought this was kind of weird slash interesting, but apparently there's been a whole lot of high-profile attacks relating to Bitcoin Cash. And the most recent one was a $30 million hack, if you want to call it that, where a an attacker stole $30 million in crypto from one prominent investor. Wow. They basically hacked into his wallet somehow. I don't know how, but they did. And they stole $30 bucks worth of Bitcoin cash. That is a ton. Really, really scary stuff there. Other folks are saying that Bitcoin cash is just dying a slow death, essentially. And nobody's really interested in it anymore. And, you know, I could kind of see that, too. I mean, what's... What is different about it than Bitcoin? Really, I mean, what's different between Litecoin and Bitcoin? Not much. Not much at all. These are just spinoffs, and they all pretty much do the exact same thing. They make payments. That's it. Nothing too crazy there. But there's a lot of these little spinoffs that just cloned the open source code of Bitcoin and, you know, created their own little spinoff. But anyway, it sounds like uh, Bitcoin Cash, a lot of the... The backers of Bitcoin Cash are not so happy with it, and a lot of people are pulling their funds out. Plus, a lot of these funds are getting hacked, apparently. It's not any fault, really, of Bitcoin Cash about the hacks. These hacks are just, you know, the way the attackers can get it nowadays. They get it any way they can. Uh, it just so happens that they are attacking folks that were holding Bitcoin Cash. So, there's some other news here about Ripple. They're saying that uh, stable coins could be created on the XRP ledger. So the CTO, David Schwartz, uh, CTO of Ripple, that is, uh, last month released a video and was talking about a lot of this kind of stuff. And they're adding a bunch of features, apparently, to their crypto ledger. Uh, they're doing some core consensus improvements. And then also, this is where he kind of talked about and danced around the fact that they're going to allow third parties to launch other uh, stable coins on the XRP blockchain, or ledger, I should say. So anyway, pretty interesting stuff there about Ripple. They've kind of been very stagnant here lately. It's quite disappointing. I've always been a big fan of Ripple. I thought that they would be much better off as far as price goes, but they've been quite disappointing this year so far. I'm still holding out hope, though. I guess we'll see. Some other crypto news here. Coinbase is trying to get into the Japanese market, and they basically announced on Monday that they're joining Japan's self-regulatory organization for crypto for firms. So they're going to try to do everything they can to regulate themselves so that they can be used in Japan. So I guess that's good on them, and I'm sure that they get a lot of this kind of regulation stuff too from the U.S., and I'm sure other countries will follow suit as well. But I don't think this is too much of a stretch for Coinbase, as they're probably already doing a lot of this with the United States, I would assume. But now they're kind of trying to do it Japan's way as well. So we'll see how that works out. Maybe they'll break into the Japanese market here in the near future. All right, now this was some kind of controversial news that I saw here. The uh, crypto exchange Digitex, uh, they removed the Know Your Customer uh, requirements to protect user data. 
So they're basically going to allow anybody to use a fake ID and get on the exchange and trade funds. And they essentially just said, you know what, it's just Big Brother and we're not going to do that. We, we don't need this KYC stuff. It's pointless. You know, it's just Big Brother stuff. We're not going to do it anymore, period. And they're saying in April there will be no KYC, Know Your Customer Identity Verification Requirements of any kind to use their exchange. So I'm guessing, just, you know, throwing it out there, I think that any kind of stolen funds in crypto would be used at this exchange now pretty soon. <laughs> but also the uh, Digitex exchange had a massive data breach where a lot of this KYC information was breached and stolen. So uh, they basically said that, you know what, this is just Big Brother. We already been hacked for it. You know what? Screw it. We don't need this anymore. <laughs> so interesting stuff there. So if you want to trade anonymously, you can go out to Digitex and in April and start trading anonymously on there. And the last thing here in crypto, Binance, they had a glitch in their trading system last week and also again the week after uh, on March 4th. They basically took down the entire exchange and it was unscheduled system maintenance for the second time in you know a week or so. All right, folks, that's all I've got for today. If you want to follow me on Twitter, I'm at CyberCryptoGuy, at CyberCryptoGuy on Twitter. Check me out on there. I retweet a bunch of the articles that we talk about here on the show. Thanks for listening.